2: Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Welcome to Wood Talk number 149 for September 18th, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about custom bandsaw blades, giant monster planes, and using sandpaper to flatten sharpening stones. But before we get to all that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by Festool helping woodworkers get better results in less time and with less mess to clean up afterwards. Visit them online at festalusa.com. And by Arbortech, makers of creative wood shaping tools. Have you heard of Arbortech's latest woodworking tool, the Mini Turbo? The Mini Turbo is a revolution in wood sculpting that can be used directly on the Arbortech Mini Grinder or fitted to any angle grinder. The Mini Turbo can be used freehand or with guides and templates. Head on over to Arbortech's website at arbortechusa.com to order the Mini Turbo today. And by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com woodtalk. Man, it's starting to sound like a PBS show here at the beginning. <laughs> <It does.
0: laughs> yeah. Although, when that announcer starts, for some reason I want to hear it like in Spanish, like, Buenas noches! <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know what? I bet you I can go to like Fiverr or something like that and get someone to do the whole thing in Spanish for us.
0: Oh, that would be awesome! (laughs) For some reason, as soon as he starts up, that's all I hear, and I'm like, wait, no, that's English. Hola, hola.
1: It would be more in line with our mission to just do like some weird language. Why not? not?
2: why be normal and do Spanish? Have somebody like read it in Swahili or something. That's a good <laughs> idea. Well, let's see if we can find them. We'll do it. All right, let's uh, jump into what's on the bench. I'll go first. I finished up my blanket chest, so that's feeling good. And I got uh, I got to. It's like for the last few projects, maybe even more than the last few, I've been really steering more towards hand applied finishes. And I guess it's just because I'm in the mindset of most of you know most of our viewers. Most of them either, if they have HVLP, they probably don't have proper spray booths. Um, so most people are doing hand-applied finishes and that's what I do. So this was just a nice break from that. I, I pulled out the turbine and just started spraying some lacquer, sprayed the dye and everything and it was just so much fun and it reminded me why HVLP is so awesome um, and it's something I'm going to have to do a lot more. And hopefully people are getting into spraying like even if you don't have the perfect situation those little turbines you know some of they're not the absolute best stuff out there but you can get a decent turbine for like a hundred bucks just at least get you in the spray game so you can start taught you know practicing this stuff and trying it out so do either of you have hvlp or or have any interest in using it yeah i have the little earlex okay um i don't know fifty, hundred and
1: twenty, dollar one whatever it was okay yeah um i like it a lot i i like you i I feel like i don't know like something's holding me back from using it some more yeah um maybe it's like this whole hand tool
0: mystique thing and then i whip out the hvlp (laughs) here
1: we go (laughs) yeah well it's just like
0: your hand your uh, thickness planer you could get all power at the beginning and then a little power at the end but right in the middle it's all (laughs) handwork
1: karmic synergy (laughs)
0: like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good.
2: I, I enjoy it a lot. It's um it has its own little nuances and challenges that you have to overcome, but ultimately the finish that you get from it, it's just so fast. And if you're using something like a lacquer or water based finish, it's just the finishing is done. You know, it's not like a five day process, it's done within two days. Uh, and I'd you can move really on. I'm
1: really curious to see like what is the difference between like your HVLP and my HVLP. Mm-hmm. Like um, 'cause it's it's awesome. I mean, it really does a great job, yeah, um, it's just like spray done, you know, and of course it dries, so blooming fast,
2: yeah
1: um i I haven't really had any problems with it, and I, I don't think I've really tested it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried to like put really thick, goopy stuff through it or anything, but um, I would just be really curious, like, what are you getting when you pay four hundred, eight hundred dollars for um you know a super fantastic HVLP
2: You're getting a credit card bill? Ah,
0: (laughs) Something you may have to hide from the spouse is what you're getting.
2: Yeah, I mean in a lot of cases you're going to get something that can handle those thicker bodied finishes better it will be something that gives you more settings, so that you don't have to rely quite as much on dilution. You can kind of use things right out of the can. Um, and you have more flexibility with it because you have those controls. With something like the Erlex, with very basic controls, you will have to rely more on your getting your dilution right to make sure that it is is being used in a way that the gun wants it to be used. So you have that. Uh, so power and flexibility, and then overall, what it comes down to is just the quality of the spray. You know, I think. For we may have trouble determining the difference. Like someone who just does finishes every day might look at it and go, Oh, look, that one's a little orange peely. Whereas, (laughs) you know, we might overlook it and say, I don't know. It looks good enough to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That looks handmade to me. (laughs) That looks like store bought.
2: So um, I
1: finally found a place and now I'm forgetting who it is. So I'll have to look it up and maybe put it in the show notes, but I finally find a place that actually just sells the parts Because I've been wanting to get a separate, a second gun Mm -hmm. um, so I can do water based and and oil and not have to like go through all the rigmarole of completely flushing it out in between. Right, right. Um, Because obviously I can just throw water in it and flush everything out by blowing water through it, but it doesn't work too well if I try to spray um, shellac or anything like that. That's really what it comes down to when I'm spraying. I I really only ever spray shellac or um, a water based something, you know, Endurovar or something like that.
2: Sure, and that's a good way to go. I've got a couple different cups, and I do have two guns, and I like to dedicate one just to coloring agents, like regardless what it is, and most of the time it's water based, um, and that's that's just what I happen to use. But I don't like to mix the coloring agents because man, nothing makes the gun look dirtier, (laughs) you know. And I'm (laughs) thinking, and if just a little bit gets stuck inside the tube. Uh, it will most likely reactivate it the next time you put maybe a water-based finish in there, and then you just have that contaminating your mixture. Not that it would be that substantial, but I I'd, I like to keep them separate when I can too. Hmm.
1: I've never thought about spraying dye. Oh,
2: dude, it's the only way to fly. Like if you're yeah, doing saw, on a- I saw a
0: little bit of that with uh, Jim Heavey at the uh, weekend with wood conference. In fact, that was the big thing. Is I happen to have a an Urlex also. I think it's the 5100 or something. It's I think it, I'm I'm probably between the two of you and seeing that uh, all of the classes he taught about that actually got me to the point where I took it out of the box. Not a boy. <laughs> Way that's to go? That's about as far as I got. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it's definitely worth looking into and again these the Erlex units, uh, Rockler has a unit. There's so many that are fairly inexpensive compared to what people usually think of when you're talking about spray finishes. So certainly worth looking into. Uh, aside from that, I started the outdoor. Well, I started the outdoor table before the blanket chest, but I had to put that on pause. So I was able to get back into the outdoor table. And just having a blast because this one is it's for the free site and it's mostly a voiceover video. So I'm just setting up the camera, recording it. I can have headphones on. I don't have to talk very much. It's all for voiceover. A lot more work on the editing side of things to make it do what it's supposed to do. But it's just a much more fun project to build because I'm not stopping to talk every five minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm enjoying that experience. But uh, that's about I don't it. Know about Arizona you, but
1: people are weird. You're building an outdoor table as we're coming into fall.
2: This is our outdoor season, man. Uh, (laughs) People are like my neighbors are coming out. You start to see kids coming, like riding their bikes around the neighborhood. This is the season where we come out to play. It's uh, it's (laughs) great. You know
0: what it is. You guys are actually on the uh, southern hemisphere. Um, cycle right now because i mean australia is getting they're getting to the point <laughs> where like they can start putting away the winter jackets they're going to start coming out and doing a little summertime you know santa comes in on the uh surfboard <laughs> right so yeah
2: it's close to that it's close to that and we'll have nice weather up through may usually so we've got we've got quite a uh a nice outdoor season but
0: anyway uh matt how about you well, really, the only thing I've been doing is since school is back in, in session, we're trying to get used to the new schedules and soccer started back up and choir and all these other things are going on. It's just it's really hectic to find a few moments down in the shop. But I just started uh kind of calling out some of the tools again. I know we do this periodically, at least I do. So apparently I'm a tool pack rat and I don't know where <laughs> some of this stuff has come from. Uh, But I ended up putting a bunch up on the website, and as of right now, if anybody's listening, at this point, um, I only had a couple things left over. So they're still available if you're listening live. uh, It's something you definitely want because I might even sign it for you. That's about as far as it's going (laughs) to go. But there was two motivations for this. Number one, obviously to clear out some more space. It wasn't a lot of tools, but it was some stuff that surprisingly – I was thinking I could use that – uh, square footage for just a little bit something else, and then also on top of it, uh, I'm kind of using the money to help me get to woodworking in America, actually to pay for the hotel so that I don't have to like, you know, bum a room with one of you guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tom and I might have a couch for you to use. Uh,
0: (laughs) I don't know. Last time, I think Tom's going to like ban me from ever being near him. (laughs) (laughs) So, but everything's gone really well with that and uh, very happy with it because now I know these tools that I've had that have just been sitting around are probably going to find some nice homes. So I feel better about myself. Cool. That's good. (laughs) And I think everybody's going to be happy with those. But that's about it. So, good. Shannon, I see you, you. You reinvented the wheel. Yes,
1: I make wheel.
2: It' <laughs> good. Fire, good.
1: Uh, yeah, I just made it. I made a flywheel, and um, hmm. it, it was funny because as I finished it, I, I and uh, I can't remember. I think it was Chris Wong on Twitter, like took the thoughts out of my head because I, I finished making it, and I was like, okay, I've gone a little off the deep end now i'm like gone all hand tools and now i'm making wheels it's like (laughs) i really need to like go and like watch a science fiction movie or something like come back into reality but uh it was was cool i mean i've got a 65 pound solid sapili flywheel on my treadle lathe now and it rocks it
2: actually rolls it spins <laughs> that's cool though I mean you know what you you own it you know you're doing you're doing the hansel thing you own it you live it so nothing wrong with that
0: that's right. Now, pretty soon you can have all the carriages pulling right up out in front of your garage and you can fit them all with <laughs> new wheels for the trip out west.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say you start yeah. uh, riding a horse to work, then we might need to talk a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I don't get along with horses. <laughs> That's never worked real well. I think it's probably my size. <laughs> They're like,
2: screw you, get off <laughs> You're a little large, sir. How about not getting on my back?
0: <laughs> uh, this time around, let the pony ride Shannon. <laughs> there
2: you go. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into what's new. Got a couple of links to share with you. First of all, I know we talked about this in the past when it happened, but you remember at the Festool Connect event, Festool Connect 2013 we talked about Norm did sort of like a keynote speech of sorts there, and I don't know if we ever put up the link to the recorded version of this. But if you want to check it out, I just was looking at some stuff and I ran across it. I'm like, you know, I don't know if we ever shared this, so we'll put the link and the um, the show notes. We're actually embedding all the videos now if it's uh, if it is embeddable, so you don't even have to go anywhere to watch it, which is pretty cool. Uh, so if you want to catch up with Norm, see what he's been up to, looks exactly the same. And uh I think I've seen that shirt a few thousand times on the show, so
0: I was going to say I hope they at least freshened it up Got him a new one. you know they probably bought those by like the yeah. thousands
2: I'm sure I don't know, I'm sure it's at least laundered, so you know he's got that going for him uh The other thing I wanted to mention is you know, um speaking of snazzy dressers, you know Steve from your mortals? Oh, yeah, definitely <laughs> yeah um he just made a video recently talking about his paid subscription supporter thingy. Uh, essentially he's not really like doing a subscription site so much as using a subscription service to help people fund the show and it's a completely voluntary thing. He's not charging for his videos but he's saying, look, if you want to support me, kind of the old school PayPal button thing that, that people have been doing since the podcasting started um, this is a little bit more sophisticated of a system, but it's identical in terms of you're supporting someone who's giving you free content, you decide how much it's worth to you, and you help the guy out um, and this is a this is someone who's making videos every week uh every Friday he has a video <sighs> God that comes bless out him. I don't know how he does that yeah, yeah so he's kidding. certainly one of the hardest working guys out there so if you wanna uh throw the man a bone I'll put the link to the uh to the video that he put up, and all the instructions and links will be there within that video that you can uh, go and support a fellow woodworker
0: right now we should also mention if i do remember correctly cuz i was taking a look at this uh, if, when you do put in your quote unquote like donation uh, at certain levels there are you can you can cash those in for for certain great things so if you want a picture of steve maybe yeah. even autographed <laughs> um, right you definitely should go for that level. So nobody's going to ask what you're going to do with that picture. It's up to <laughs> you. Yes, it's up to
2: your discretion. And ignore the part of the video where he says that he doesn't think it's cool that people charge for videos. You can ignore that. But <laughs> you can watch the rest of it. Just just saying. Oh, on, right. my, on Shannon's behalf and my own, just ignore that part.
0: Uh, Why? Great. You guys charge for
2: videos? <laughs> nope.
1: No, oh, I was gonna no, say not not once you've paid. No, I don't charge anymore. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
0: They're free after you pay. <laughs> I like that. Oh, that's excellent. Sweet. Well, hey, you know, uh, speaking of kind of crazy woodworkers, uh, Glenn sent a link to a video by the crazy woodworker. And the crazy woodworker is actually making a wooden bowling ball. I don't know, have you guys had a chance to check out this video? I did. And yeah. Isn't it crazy? It's I mean it's wacky. all on a table saw.
2: It's scary, it's ingenious, but... It, it's just nuts. I mean, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where like I want to love it and, and be scared of it at the same time. <laughs> yeah,
0: I felt the same exact way. I was, I was taking a look at it. I'm like, first of all, the mindset to come up with this idea to do it is just really, really cool. But then there's like all those things that I'm like, this will definitely not be a video possibly used as a safety demonstration for anything. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, he does make a giant wooden ball when it's all
2: said and done, which is pretty damn impressive.
0: Absolutely.
1: Sweet. Well, yeah. and if, if I'll, I'm going to jump out of order in the show notes because somewhat related to that, in our kickback session, um, somebody sent us a video of another guy who built a treadle-powered table saw. Hmm. And yes. this falls under the category of this will not be used as a safety demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, I flinched during that one, too. But I got to tell you, I actually went and subscribed to this guy's channel because mm-hmm. he's just like the most – ingenious, eh, I'll just make that today. You know, he gets up and decides to make a gas powered furnace one afternoon and he made this this treadle table saw. It is basically a single four by four with a a table cantilevered off of it and like a little blade on a on an arbor. It spins along and I mean, he's he at the end, he puts the camera kind of in line with the blades. So you can see it cutting and the thing, every time he pushes on the pedal, the whole thing like shakes left and right. <laughs> it's just, nice. I mean, he admits in, in the comments, this is my prototype. I've got some things to do to shore it up. And it's just like, this is just awesome because it's like, it
0: reminds me of Gilligan's Island.
2: Oh, no, nice. <laughs> truly
0: <laughs> it's a Gilligan's Island table saw. That's great. It is, absolutely. I, I'm waiting for the one, though, when he is finally able to start cutting that, like, uh, a quarter, and then that will be really, really cool. Right. Nice. Right. So
1: that was Don that said that in. So thanks, Don. Cool. Um, and then the, the last one I've got is um, this one falls under the watch it so you can be embarrassed for the people who made it
0: <laughs> section. Wait um, a minute. You guys were embarrassed <laughs> for them? Because my face got, like, really flushed. I had to keep walking away and, it was and then r- coming back and watching it again just that was trying rough. to get
2: through it. That was rough.
1: This is a uh, popular woodworking has put out their Woodworking in America promo because that's uh, wow, that's like a month away. Yeah, uh, I think from I know, today. It, maybe. it's
2: coming up, man, real fast. Uh, let me see. I got the dates here woodworkinginamerica.com, October 18th to the 20th. Yeah, month from today. Hey, yo. So.
1: Let's just say you need to go check out this video. It's got the entire the entire editorial crew of Popular Woodworking and let's just say Mark is not the only guy who dresses up in costumes <laughs> to do his videos.
2: And and here's the thing. When you look at my videos that are just really crappy like that and and you go, "Wow, how long is he going to do this for?" and and usually I like to think that no matter how bad it is, I get out of it quickly. Like you know what I mean? Like you
1: don't go on for nine minutes? I don't I
2: don't linger on the horribleness of what I'm doing. I just try to you know, (laughs) leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but I'm gonna get it out of there. This goes on and on and it's 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 so Great in its in, in its like awfulness.
0: Oh yes, yeah. so this
1: this has the potential of developing a cult following.
0: Oh. I'm planning on posting it on my website as why you need to attend woodworking in America pretty soon. So like
2: like what's great about it too is not only obviously the bad acting and and the whole thing is just funny, um, but the crappy video. Too, coming from, like from popular woodworking is like
0: it's worse than a cell phone video. <laughs> you know I mean? well, do you think that this means that it wasn't actually sanctioned by popular woodworking? Like these guys are just like, you know what? We just had a really filling lunch. Let's do something to keep from yeah. falling asleep. Yeah, I, I just... don't know. It's hosted by the editor. So
1: <laughs> I'm thinking...
2: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking there's there's been some sign off on this thing. (laughs) I'm also thinking this may have been done on a Friday afternoon after a a liquid lunch, perhaps. Very, very possible.
1: (laughs) So anyway, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Um, go watch the video.
2: It's great. And um, you know, the other thing we should mention is if you are interested, I think you know there's still tickets. We all three of us are going to be at this event. Um, It's going to be awesome. So October 18th through the 20th, Woodworking in America in Cincinnati. You just, you got to go. This is the event to go to for the year, so don't Heck miss yeah. it. Oh, and we are doing our event on Saturday. We don't know for sure if we're going to get the technology together to actually record live at this place. I'm getting more and more concerned that that's going to be more of a pain in the butt than it's worth, but at the very least, we're having a Wood Talk meetup on Saturday, right? So, Right. Um, and yeah. We've got the venue and everything, so we'll, we'll we probably should get that down, guys. and <laughs> Put the information somewhere more official. Um, you know,
0: worst comes to worst, we'll just string together a whole bunch of various uh, iPhone videos of the whole okay. entire thing, so, and we'll put that up as the uh, the actual episode.
2: Well, we'll we'll get the dates and everything. We'll, we'll do the dates uh, of the event and where it is, and I'll put it in a, the show notes since I don't know it offhand, but Saturday, plan on that big Wood Talk event. Anybody who's anybody going to be there except for the people who aren't there.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> and they're going to be really sad they didn't show up. That is <laughs> right. All
2: right, so let's jump into the uh, kickback. What's all that's what I do when things hit me in the stomach. Um, Bill. I usually go <laughs> like that. <laughs> I go, cause, well, what I do is I dodge it like a ninja. So, All right. Bill says, I guess this is in response. We must have been talking about like dovetail jigs or something? Maybe it was when yeah, we I were complaining, I think I brought up the right? fact
1: that it's funny that there are no videos on how to use a dovetail jig, yeah. but there's like
2: 800 videos on how to cut them by hand. Right, 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 right. Okay, so Bill says, I have a Porter Cable Omni jig. I hardly ever have to adjust the jig itself, only the router depth to adjust the tightness of the joint. I've been using it for 18 years and it performs flawlessly except for the tension pin and one of the tightener bars breaks all the time. I can pull it out from under the workbench, clamp it to the bench, and within a few test cuts, have it ready to roll. I can then cut all four corners worth of dovetails in about 10 minutes or less if I'm in the groove and things are going just right. Yeah, that happens a lot. I've made made hundreds of drawers using this and would never think of changing. So there's someone who's got his system dialed in so that he doesn't have very much adjustment to do and can just knock out drawers left and right.
1: You know, I think I probably could cut four corners worth of dovetails in about 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but it would be, that would be, I'd be neck and neck with him for the first drawer. Well, that's (laughs) it. I think it would all go out the window. Yeah. (laughs) If you're
2: talking multiples, then yeah, then it starts to be certainly a math game, but, uh, well, well cool. and
0: also the the nice thing with a uh, um, machine cut one is that they if if symmetry is extremely important to you and you are obsessive about making sure that everything matches perfectly, there you go. But if you're just like eh, not so much, not too worried about it.
2: Yeah, and all, you also have to consider the fact that you can't really get too creative with your spacing on this. Even if it is symmetrical, a lot of times I want to go like you know big pin, smaller pin, and, and kind of vary things up a little bit. And uh, if you're doing that, then it does change per project because now you have to adjust based on the, the width of the drawer. Um, but if you have sort of like like the Akita jig is a little bit more, uh, you're kind of stuck with, with the spacing that you're you're allowed there, but man, can you knock out some dovetails in <laughs> short order with that thing. But you sacrifice uh, adjustability as a result. But,
1: I had no idea the Omni jig had been around for 18 years. That's has it really? I guess you what know he what? said, he's been using it for 18 years.
2: The, the, I, the thing is, I think I only became aware of it when they did like a complete redesign and really pushed, right. like did a marketing effort on it. That's when it kind of got and, into and my, in mind my mind. Was.
1: I was thinking that was like the new version, but I, I actually, when I read this the first time, I, I, Googled it and it's actually more than eighteen years old.
2: Well see, this Perfect. is where like where we realize like I guess people who listen to the show for a long time may not realize that in a lot of ways we're complete noobs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like in the woodworking absolutely. world. We're totally noobs and uh, you know, we just like to talk publicly to people about it.
0: <laughs> you know, knowing that it's been out for eighteen years and Bill says he's had his for, for eighteen years, maybe the one they made eighteen years ago is the one that is like really, really good. And <laughs> yeah. the ones now are like Mm, maybe not.
2: I don't know. I've it's never used the Omnijink myself. Yeah. I mean, um, we, we hey, probably just lost
0: Porter anyway. Cable as a potential advertiser now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: Well, let's see what Mike has to kick at us. Um, he says on a recent episode, Mark made the statement that mechanical drawer slides do not belong on a high-end chest of drawers. Boom! Uh, that yeah. a good kickback <laughs> in between each thing. Oh! Uh, He he makes some apologetic things, like I'm sure you were more nuanced or something like that. I was. Where he says, aesthetically speaking, I totally see where you're coming from, but I wonder if this is one of the areas where we as woodworkers are a bit stuck in the past. The practical benefits of being able to easily open a drawer with one hand, fill it with heavy clothes, give it a gentle push to close, cannot be denied. In some ways, you're almost saying we should all suffer ugly factory MDF furniture in order to have the benefits of modern drawer slides?
2: That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know one could argue that properly made wooden slides or friction-fit drawers have lasted for centuries, but this is a classic example uh, of survivorship bias. Really? Okay. Um, I'm sure for every set of wooden slides that have lasted a hundred more, a uh, hundred or more drawers are permanently stuck or converted to firewood. Um, are there any mechanical slides that are suitable for fine furniture? All I know is that if I built a chest of drawers from the drawers and the drawers started sticking, my wife would donate it to me for shop furniture and head over to Ikea for something that opens and closes.
2: Well, interesting point. Well, Um, yeah. I mean, can I defend myself? No. No, can not I? today. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> I'll just, go for it. <laughs> that's right. It is a kickback. I'm not supposed to kick back the kickback. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know what you do to stop it from, your stop your wife from getting upset and giving it to you as shop furniture is you build it right in the first place.
1: I was going to say that, but I thought it was kind of mean. <laughs>
2: Booyah! Well, it's easy because now I now we just, we, we don't have to read Mike's next email so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> um, no, seriously though. Um, to me, I, I look at that, and again, this is all personal opinion. You can do whatever the heck you want to do with your chest of drawers and I'm not going to judge it. For me personally, I like the challenge of wood things like that, wood slides. It's the same thing with wood joinery. That's why I want to come up with wood ways of holding furniture together even if a screw might do the job just as well in a particular situation. So To me, it's a personal challenge to design and execute a drawer that slides perfectly all year long. And and I think that's that's a cool thing to do, and to me that's sort of fitting for really high end solid wood furniture. Um, and again, just my personal opinion. Now, it Doesn't mean I won't ever build a piece and put uh, you know mechanical metal drawer slides in there. There's certainly nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. As long as right. it's good quality slides, and that's part of your design, then go for it. Um, but I, I don't. I certainly don't think that <laughs> that a person like of super high skill level. Decides to put metal slides in in a really well built piece. I'm not going to say that that's not fine furniture. Um, so I don't. I, I feel like he read into my statement a little bit too deeply. You know? Right.
1: And and as far as are there some for fine furniture? I know that there are drawer slides out there that cost like eighty dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. So like the blue motion slides that like you push it and it opens automatically mm, those or are closes nice. automatically, and you know. So I. <laughs> if price is a factor, then yes, I think that they, there are some suitable for fine furniture.
0: Sure, sure. I, yeah, I, I'm a huge advocate of there. There's a place uh, for everything, and um, I, I'm going to be on the fence on this one. Uh, I I would use uh, slides in, in certain pieces, but often for finer pieces or things that I would consider to be finer, it's not to say that they don't have their place there, but I just don't think they have their place there. <laughs> I, well, I really, here's... I I prefer seeing something more. Traditional with just the way that the the drawer fits in there with a friction fit, or you know, just slide in and out of out of it as you would make the drawer box itself, where something more utilitarian, or maybe. I don't know, just something with with a purpose where those drawers are going to be open and closed constantly. Well, see, I mean, it, if it's like a drawer that you're going to open in your kitchen, say like you know a dozen t- a dozen times during a the day, then I might consider more likely to go with say a mechanical drawer slide, just because I don't want to have to deal with it, you know, for whatever reason, uh, sticking. But if it's something like a a, a dresser, a chest of drawers, something like that, um, I'm more likely to go with the more the traditional, just because. I can.
2: Well, chest of drawers, I do, personally, I feel that is along the lines of the kitchen type thing. It is something that you're going to open and close every day. It maybe doesn't get as much abuse as, as the kitchen does, but it's still something that I can see someone's justification for wanting to use uh, metal drawer slides in there, and certainly nothing wrong hey. with that with the chest of drawers? I think so. I mean if that's what someone yeah. wants. If you got it, like, I mean I don't I don't go, I don't how many times today do you change your shirt?
0: I don't go in there that often. <laughs> for,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing
1: is is his his reason for saying this is is stuck drawers cause people to want to go to metal slides. Oh, I, yeah, I almost think got hit that, the head that going with a stuck with,
0: drawer. <laughs> well,
1: I mean you're still building a wooden box yeah, that though right. goes on those mechanical slides. That wooden box will still expand and contract and it will still get stuck. Right, so it's not the mechanical slides that make a drawer um, stick or not. Um, it's the idea that you because it will still expand and contract vertically um, yeah. unless you've made them from quarter sawn pieces. In which case, then it's going to expand and contract across the width, and it's going to get wedge itself in there. So, you know, I, we're splitting hairs here, but I still think we said this. I think Mark in the original episode, the internal structure that comes with making dust frames and things like that Mm -hmm. keeps the furniture more stable and prevents it from racking in the long run. The fact that the mechanical slides go in, you can make it stable by building that internal structure, but then you're going to put mechanical slides. It just, it seems redundant almost.
2: Yeah. And you know, the other thing is a lot of times when you use those types of metal slides, it is a little bit of um, a construction challenge in the sense of what if you want a completely inset drawer? Right. Uh, or a, a frameless uh, box or something that you're building or cabinet, um, a lot of times those those regular slides like that, the more um, utilitarian slides, work best with a standard face frame um and false fronts on your drawers you know so i think it, it, it does present more of a challenge to be more on the lines of what we like to build the things that we enjoy challenging ourselves with just lends itself better to i think uh, to to wood runners but anyway we've uh, beaten that one down but <laughs> how t- dare you kick back mike <laughs> take that <laughs> yeah. all right thanks for that mike uh, i hope you take our comments <laughs> with a grain <laughs> of salt we're just being uh, we're being jerks
1: please keep <laughs> listening
2: uh, okay, so Don wrote in and he said, in episode 140, you responded to my crappy voicemail about using short 4x4s to make a laminated full-length workbench. Mark, you mentioned to make sure the grain was running vertically. I'm assuming that is when looking at the end grain. Yes, that's correct, Don. Huh? Mine is not so straight-line vertical, but somewhat radial. The radii run diagonally from corner to corner. Is using this or In using this, am I heading down the wrong road uh, a road of frustration and heartache or is this doable? Um, I think he's fine with that because ultimately what he's looking at with diagonal grain is like rift sawn material and if you're looking for stability and you want to avoid flat on, go for rift sawn or quarter sawn. So honestly, if he's at a slight radius, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, that's going to work in his favor certainly better than using flat sawn stock uh, to build up a, a workbench. So it's a
1: workbench.
0: Word. Exactly. All right. Sweet. All right, uh, let's get into this one here. Um, this came in from Clint, and he says, I just wanted to, wanted to just give you a couple of comments on the amazing mechanical furniture you discussed briefly on the last show. The videos show several pieces of Abraham and David Ruttingen's. You know, I, I totally lost the pronunciation key on this. Uh, the Met held a show late last year that brought 30, 63 pieces of the Ruttingen's. Furniture together for the first time ever. See, I think i pronounced it two different times now. The (laughs) Ruttingens were the furniture makers to the European royalty up until the French Revolution brought an end of austerity to most of all of Europe. I guess they spent all of their money on the furniture as the Russian Tsar and family were huge buyers of their furniture. Hmm. Back then, guys showed off their wealth by having the most over-the-top furnishings in their castles, just like people today do with their McMansions. So really, when it comes down to it, as Clint points out, not much has changed at all.
2: That explains the craziness of these these creations. Um, and by the way. Clint did include two sentences explaining how to pronounce the the name, and I
0: actually removed those. I know. I was looking for them real quick. I was hoping you guys were going to discuss Don just a little bit more as I was trying to find him. And then, of course – I just love how
1: we give the difficult-to-pronounce stuff to Matt
2: every show.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's almost like I do it on purpose.
2: Uh, Hmm. That makes me wonder. Who's the one that edits this before we go live? I don't know. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, you know what? Before we get into our email – Talk about one of our sponsors real quick is audible.com and very quickly let's uh, review a little bit on what we're reading. Uh, I'll go first. I continued on with the Mistborn series, uh, read the entire trilogy and then there's a independent book that you don't need to read the trilogy for to enjoy and this is kind of like, I don't know, centuries later. It's called The Alloy of Law. Um, So if you haven't read the trilogy, it's okay. You can actually read this. I enjoyed this more than the trilogy and this is more of a, it's sort of like western a little bit there's guns it's it's definitely more along the lines of uh, subject matter and personalities and characters that I enjoy reading about so I I like that a lot more so it's uh, Brandon Sanderson The Alloy of Law Ooh, how about you guys?
0: Uh, well, I'm on book four of the, what, 134,000 books of the uh, Game of Thrones series yes. by uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Actually, I'm on book four right now, uh, A Feast for Crows, and I think my coworkers are sick and tired of me sitting there going, What? what? Wait, what? Huh? They did what? Nice. That, that's what I have going on right now. Well, I am on uh,
1: book three of the Hard Magic series by Larry Correa. It's called Warbound. Yeah, very cool, kind of a um, film noir meets the Harry Potter universe. Nice. It's 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 a very interesting series. It's it's this idea that magic suddenly just showed up um, sometime in like the nineteen before World War One. Just people suddenly started developing magical powers. And it's very cool because obviously the guy is somewhat of a historian because he's tied real-world events into it. Mm. But it's got that alternate history to it because imagine how World War I would have changed if suddenly people could shoot fireballs out their hands. And uh, it's it's pretty dang cool.
0: So I'm liking it. Well, that nice. sounds a little bit like a book called uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norkel. Yeah, like I that. read that. Yeah, Yeah. I got that about a, a quarter of the way through it and then I fell asleep. <laughs> it's long.
2: <laughs> nice. All right. So, uh, just should mention that if you go to audiblepodcast dot com slash woodtalk, you can actually get a free trial of the service. Get your free audiobook. That's how I started, and uh, I've been a subscriber forever and ever. And Shannon, you too. So it's uh, yep. it's something that once you start doing it, it's so easy to consume this stuff as audio content. You just fly through books. And I've uh, thanks to the service, I've actually read more books like in the last five years than I've probably read in my entire life previous <laughs> to that. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's good stuff. All right, moving into our email segment, we've got uh, the first one here is from Bianca. Beautiful name, I love that name. My grandmom's dog used to be named Bianca.
0: Oh, that's sweet. <laughs>
2: it's not <laughs> it's a, That probably didn't come out the way I wanted it to. A, I, mean, it was, I,
0: I had a comment in there about sitting in somebody's lap, but I'm not going to go there.
2: No, I wouldn't. And uh, It was a little white poodle, cute little poodle, and his name was Bianca. Her name was Bianca. All right, anyway. I recently got a used nine-inch bandsaw and went through the wood whisperer guide to setting it up. I tried nope. using it, but the blade tends to wander a lot. Well, you know what the problem is there? <laughs> you use the wood whisperer guide to set it up. Um <laughs> I, tightened I didn't it want to
0: say anything <laughs> but it all crossed our mind.
2: Why do you think Mark's furniture has so much curve in it? Exactly. That's not intentional. Uh, I tightened it as much as possible. There's a spring at the top so after a bit it doesn't tighten anymore but blade still, the blade still wants to go for a walk. I figured the blade might be dull since I got it used and I got a brand new blade for 9 inch bandsaws but it turns out the bandsaw uses a slightly smaller blade than normal 9 inch bandsaws. I'm at a loss now for what to do. Am I right in my assumption that the blade is dull? It does cut pretty well, but I don't have much experience with bandsaws, so what I think is pretty well could actually be terrible. I appreciate anything you guys have to say about it. Well, you know, diagnosing bandsaw issues I find to be one of the most difficult things because there's so many things that can go wrong when it comes to a bandsaw. Um, and those little nine-inch bandsaws, those can be tricky, uh, those little benchtop models. Um, first of all, let's talk about the, the walking. If she says it's walking, I'm assuming what she's saying is that it's walking off of the tire, does that sound like what she was talking about to you guys?
0: Kind of got that impression, yeah.
2: As opposed to like mm. it, it creating a barreled cut or drifting. Yeah, that's what I was. Th-
1: I thought she was talking about like inability to cut a straight line. Yeah, board itself.
2: See, and that's what I wasn't sure about. So yes, dullness of the blade can certainly impact all of these things. If the blade isn't cutting efficiently, bad things happen. So getting a new blade on there I think is a good idea before you start driving yourself nuts you know, chasing all these other solutions. If it is the blade wandering off the wheel, that's one of those things that you should be testing before you ever even hit the power button. You can use your finger to spin that wheel and I think I did show it on, on the video and make sure that it's tracking properly and doesn't walk off the tire and just get it centered and make sure that you can keep it on there and never turn it on until you verify that going at a good rate with your hand it's not going to come off because that's scary when a bandsaw blade flies off of the wheel. That's no fun. Oh. <laughs>
0: I have had to change a few <laughs> pairs of pants when that yeah, happened.
2: Yeah, not a good time. Um, the other thing relating to the blade Is you can get a custom blade cut, and I think that's probably what you should do. And in fact, Wood Slicer, one of our uh, favorite—I know at least two of us that use um, them—they make great bandsaw blades. Wood Slicer can make them to custom lengths. So I'm going to put the length, um, the custom length page in our show notes here, and you could check that out. Um, But you go in there, give it the range, give—and I think they get to the nearest quarter inch or something like that. So you can get, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can get exactly what you're looking for there, and you get a Wood Slicer blade on top top of it, which is probably, had you asked me what blade do I recommend, that's the one I would have said anyway. Yep, they're the bomb. Yeah, so good stuff, check that out. And hopefully just getting that blade will resolve some of those issues for you. Um, the other thing is tension, like I showed in the video. Make sure that um, don't really rely on that gauge. And you don't really want to crank it to, to you know, all the way, maybe, I don't know, it depends. But really look at the tension of the blade using the finger test as opposed to relying on any gauge or anything like that at the top. Um, And that tends to give you better results.
0: Yeah, sometimes I wonder where they come up with those gauges. If it's just, who was drunk at the wheel the day that the gauge was being put on? (laughs) Because I've had a couple of them that I'm like, that is nowhere near as close as you know what it should be or either it's way under or it's super over like to the point where i think i just created like a whole entire extra length in that gullet because it's so tight
2: (laughs) yeah they're never really that accurate so all right shannon
1: let's see stan wrote in he said um we were in the cooper shop i don't remember that stan i don't remember when we went to the cooper shop you don't um (laughs) no i i missed that You bought Um, me rock candy that day, Shannon. (laughs) Anyway, whatever Cooper shop. Could be the Williamsburg Cooper shop. In case you don't know, coopers are people who make um, like barrels and hogsheads and casks and things like that. Old timey folk. Um, Anyway, the Cooper had this plane that was up on a sawhorse on one end and on the floor on the other end. Thing was about four feet long or so. The iron was in it, so the blade was facing up. The savings fell. I'm thinking he's meant shavings. The shavings fell to the ground through the throat. The cooper used it to square up the edge of the board before he shaped them. It seemed very practical and quick to use. Aside from the floor space it takes up, I was interested why some of the knuckle draggers don't use them. Well, um, that's called a cooper's joiner, first of all. Um, And if you know what a joiner plane is, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Essentially, they take the joiner plane, and if you've ever seen these, some of them can be six feet long, I actually saw a seven-footer at the Brown Tool Auction one time. Um, generally, they have a hole in, on what we would think of as the top, the, the blade side of things. Um, there's a hole in the toe. Sometimes there's a rabbit right there in the toe. Regardless, it's meant to hold a, a tripod of some sort. And the joiner plane sits at the angle. The cooper stands on the high side and pushes it down the joiner towards the ground. So basically, if you think of a power joiner where you're mm-hmm. taking the, the wood to the tool, this is the you know, the unpowered version of that, nice. except instead of it being horizontal, it's at an angle. Um, they're a lot of fun to use, uh, although watch your fingers. <laughs> don't, don't grip it down too close. Um, the thing is why this isn't like commonly accepted by, I, I like how he says it, by the knuckle draggers, <laughs> is this is one of those things where you're back to taking the wood to the tool. So if you're dealing with, you know, bigger pieces, this is not going to be necessarily a good idea. Um, It's always going to be better to clamp a bigger piece in your bench and take the joiner plane to it. Um, The the idea is, you know, on a power joiner, you can certainly do that, but you've got the whole fence to rely upon to keep it square. The Cooper never does anything square. Uh, When you think about how a barrel is constructed, it's compound bevels on the sides over a con- concave and convex piece. So the adjustments that go on when they're jointing those sides are really, really minute through different angles and things. Um, and that's easy to do because there's no fence there. There's nothing to reference it against. If you try to take like a 9-inch wide or a 10-inch wide board and joint it on edge, you're really relying on your ability to hold it perfectly square along that length. And more than likely, it's going to wobble on you. And mm-hmm. it, it would just wouldn't be that much fun to use, frankly. Um, But if all the work you do uses like three inch and narrower boards or four inch and narrower boards, then it might be just fine. So neat. There you go. Sweet.
0: All right. Well, Hey, I have a question here from Jason and Jason says, I have a few question about using sandpaper to flatten water stones instead of using the flattening stone that comes with the Norton starter kit. I get tired of going back and forth flattening. And if so, what kind of paper and grit do you recommend? Maybe one day I can afford a diamond mm-hmm. lapping stone. So I, I think Jason's question here is, can you use sandpaper to flatten your your water stones? Mm-hmm. I, as I was reading this, I suddenly got myself a little twisted around here. And the and the answer is yes. I mean, I, I've done this for a long time. Uh, the main thing is you have to be careful about what grit of sandpaper you're using with what grit of uh, stone you have. And then also... If since you, he mentions that he has a Norton here, uh, my experience, all of my experience with flattening my stones with sandpaper, are based on the fact that I have the King stones, and I have read that King stone and Norton stone are a little bit different, and that the Norton tends to be, for the lack of a better description, a little bit softer, so it's going to abrade a little bit easier, a little bit faster than say the King. Now I've never used a Norton, so I can't really compare them apples to apples here, but I have heard that before. One thing I would recommend is. Since I'm going to say, yes, you can do it with the sandpaper, uh, again, make sure you have a very flat surface. So we're talking uh, maybe like some MDF or something, uh, pre- preferably, say, uh, a granite piece. Mm-hmm. You can just grab one from like an off cut or something at your local home center. I know we've talked about that before. Uh, and what I typically do is for my kind of medium stone, which would be my 1,000 or my 1,500 stone, I'm more likely going to use a sandpaper grid of, say, like, I don't know, 220, maybe 300. Uh, It's going to get the job done. Again, since these kind of abrade rather quickly, uh, you oftentimes, short of having an extreme dish in the stone itself, you don't really need to go to town on these severely. Oftentimes, it's just simply kind of chewing it up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, again, with that kind of that medium stone, I'm going to start like, yeah, like the 220, 300, somewhere around there. If I were to do this with my finer stone, uh, I'm definitely going to be stepping it up more to, say, the 400, 600 range of the sandpaper. But oftentimes what I'll do is, since I do have a 1,000 stone and I have a 4,000 stone, once I get that 1,000 flattened, I'll use that to actually flatten the face of the Mm 4,000. And uh, I've had really good results with it. One problem, I know a lot of people will mention the fact that you have to be careful when you are doing these stones because... Uh, you could essentially kind of uh, that 4,000 by doing it with a, a rougher stone or rougher sandpaper, you could essentially kind of almost mimic a uh, no longer a 4,000 stone. It could be like a, a a lower grit. So you have to kind of be careful at first, but they they abrade away once you start using it uh, so quickly that I, I don't see any issues with it. In fact, I've never had any issues with it and I've gotten my my stuff to come out pretty darn sharp. So. If that saves you from uh, having to mess around with that whole, I don't know, uh, the, the starter kit there with that flattening stone, that that might help you out a little bit. You can kind of grab that sandpaper and go really quick. Um, and I, I actually have a diamond stone and I don't really use it very often for my traditional water stones. I use it for the glass stones, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's a whole other story.
2: You know, I'm wondering why he doesn't like the flattening stone that's provided with the kit. And I'm looking at Amazon, and it does seem like there are a few people who've been complaining about the flattening stone not being flat and In fact, you know when you see the image at the top left and then they put related images that people can upload, yeah, the two related images are people showing how bad how out of flat that <laughs> sharpening stone is. I'm like, oh, this is good for sales um Interesting. so so I mean I don't know that that's what what what's his name, Jason. Yes, I don't know. That's what Jason's experiencing, but I'd be curious. Number one, why is he not using the the stone? Because ultimately, it's a low grit stone that's intended for that purpose. I'm curious what what his reasons are for not using it, um, and if what he's experiencing is something similar to what these people are complaining about, because that could really screw things up in a in a hurry. If especially if you have been using it for a while and you just don't understand why you're you're getting the result you are. Uh, one guy shows how he put a. Uh, concave surface on the tip of his plane so the two ends are down lower (laughs) than the middle (laughs) like wow, the opposite of a like of a camber and uh, it's like holy smokes that looks like a bummer Um, yeah so that might be how does
1: that happen I mean at what point
0: do you go oh I'm just gonna keep going (laughs) you you know it's it's funny now that I I didn't put two and two together and think about this you know, the Norton flattening stone. I was thinking of something completely different. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to go into what I was thinking about. I actually have one of these Norton Norton flattening stones. Yeah, and I actually it, it's dished like that. Is it really? Interesting. Yeah, and the reason why I, I don't think I paid much attention to it was because of the fact that. The whole reason I got it was I had um, – it was my 800 grit kingstone. I had really messed it up. Again, I don't even want to go into that story. Uh, but I was using it – using this flattening stone to flatten that one out. And there was something else I was using on it too. And I just assumed that I did that. Hmm. But the more I looked at it, I'm like, how in the world, even with the grits I have, could I dish out you know a stone like this? So yeah. Interesting. Could be, could be. So, and
2: it's, you know, just look at the reviews. I'd be curious. Um, Okay. The other
1: thing I'll say is um, the DMT stones, there are some that are really expensive, Mm -hmm. but you can get like a six inch one for like $37. And then I think the eight inch one, well, actually, um, eight inch one is uh, $70. So, I mean, it's not you know, everybody's got different budgets and things like that, but it's not like it's $400. Um, I would think you could spend <clears throat> $50 in sandpaper pretty fast.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it clogs um, up. That's one thing I don't like about using the sandpaper, which is the reason why I, I thought I was going to get something with this Norton stone is because of the fact, yeah, it does clog up really, really fast. And you know, it just, there's all sorts of messes and everything else with it. So, right.
1: Yeah. So it it's something that it's worth kind of pricing out and you know, if it's a matter of, you know, saving for a month or so, you're gonna save money in the long run. There's no question. That's the biggest you know, whether you're talking about flattening with sandpaper or you're talking about sharpening, like using Scary Sharp, um, that's the biggest attractor of that system is it's totally disposable and you're gonna go through a lot of sandpaper, um, which gets expensive real fast.
2: Yes, it do. All right. Yes, uh, we have some iTunes reviews. That, we uh, do? Well, we have one. Okay. <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> do we have any in the Canadian store? Do we know? I don't know. Is there a separate Canadian store? I guess there I is. I don't know. I always hear
0: that another other podcasts. They're like, let's go to the Canadian store. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Let's, let's look do at that. the European stores. Okay. Well, if you want to leave us a review in iTunes, you can do that. Just look us up in the iTunes store, click on ratings and reviews, and you can ask Matt when we can expect to see rubber bands in his beard like Captain Lou Albano.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, it's funny you say that because I've got a whole bunch right over there, and I was just trying to figure out what would be the best configuration.
2: Just, just throw them in there like confetti, and let them <laughs> stick where they stick.
0: Um, well, my food often ends up that way, so maybe we should just do that.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that was there. All right, we'd like to thank Two Big Toes who had this to say. He says, "I know, I now know, I know now, I know, I now know. I discovered this show by accident. I love it. You taught me things I never knew and didn't know." I had to know until now. This is like a tongue twister. Keep it going. This is the best accident I ever had. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Glad to be. Oh my the- God, that's how my mom described my birth. I'm <laughs> oh, glad to be the best of the worst things that have happened to you. <laughs> that's always nice. Uh, remember, today's show is sponsored by Festool at FestoolUSA.com, ArborTech at ArborTechUSA.com, and of course, Audible at slash Wood Talk, where you can go and get that free audiobook. Uh, you know, if you want to, you can actually help us out with a recurring donation or a one-time donation. You could do that at woodtalkshow.com. Look over in the left-hand column and you'll see the links that uh, give you just the, your your options there. Whatever you want to do. We're flexible when you want to give us money for nothing.
0: Absolutely. I will accept almost all denominations, preferably ones with two zeros at the end of them.
2: Hey-o! oh. right. At like 0.00?
0: Yes. Well, okay, okay so... <laughs> three in front of the <laughs> in front of the, of the decimal, decimal place point. okay we get lots of those <laughs> yeah exactly all right Matt if you want to give them the contact info we'll get out of here hey folks If hey, you want to get a hold of us because maybe you have to, something you want to put in kickback or maybe an email and you want us to somehow insult you or completely disagree with everything you have to say <laughs> you have several different ways you can do that you can leave a voicemail on Skype our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can even leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes for today's show, along with all the links, all the downloads, and all of that great stuff, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com because that is the place to be. It really is. There's no doubt about it in my mind.
2: Truthfully, it totally is. That was really well read, Matt. That's one of your best
0: ones. Thank you. I closed my eyes and just said, here goes nothing. Should I just, just like, uh,
2: should I cut that out and, and replay that every show?
0: <laughs> let's do every sure. other show. <laughs> so that you don't have to do it. Man. Well, let's do Shannon's yeah. next show and then we'll do mine after that. We'll just go. flip flop back and forth. I like it. I like it. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. This podcast
1: is part of the Frog Pen Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit FrogPants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're
0: there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus...